Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's the May 12, 2017 show, and you're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. <laughs> the May 12, 2017 show. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm winding down... <laughs> I'm trying to be truthful, and you know, that's just the way it is when you've done 25,000 hands of the week in one day. <laughs> if you're just joining us, uh, we are uh, somewhere in Europe, uh, or we'll sometime soon be somewhere in Europe, and our next real show will be May 18th, but we are filling the gap with double hand of the week shows. So this is the last of the four. So after you've listened to this, if you've binged, now you got to wait all the way till May 18th, the next show. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if anyone's actually going to do that, but I would. I would love to see if oh. someone actually binges, listens to eight hands of the week in a row. <laughs> that last show was tough. We've actually technically done nine by the time we're done because that's true. One yesterday. So. That's true. So they nine. could have listened to nine in a row then. Yeah. The last nine conversations we had on the podcast, <laughs> accounting this weird banter, have been hands of the week. So. Hey, and I think we learned uh, stud hands are very difficult to do on the show. It's yeah. hard to do because in your mind, you got to remember, writing it down is one thing, but if you're driving in a car and you're listening to stud hands, it's like yeah, you want to yeah. drive across that double yellow line and take a truck in the teeth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump right into it. Uh, we started this uh, hand of the week uh, series with Vic G. We're gonna end with Vic G. Because All right, he, he's just a fountain of hand of the weeks. So, hey, nah, so you called the hand of the weeks? Oh yes, he's a fountain of hands of the week. Hands of the week. H O T Ws. How about that? <laughs> All right, so he's playing. Uh, Back at the 1-2 No Limit Hold'em game with the $400 max buy-in at his local Florida poker room. Same scenario as three weeks ago, or three hours ago, depending on your consumption <laughs> rate. Uh, table's been pretty quiet, and my starting stack of 400 hasn't moved much in the past two hours. I sit with 430. Three fish have left the game, and one of the two five players who is on the transfer list joins us at the table and fills, us, fills up along with two other tough players. The table just got a whole lot tougher. Uh, I just paid my blinds a couple hands ago and decided to get up when the big blind reaches me in a few more hands. I've played with uh, Corey before. He's a solid player with a good view of his opponents. He has lost a couple small pots after playing a hand or two and sits with just under his $400 starting stack. Uh, Corey is under the gun and raises to 13. Three players fold to me, and I look down at the king of spades, 10 of spades. Hmm. Eh, I don't know. 
I, sometimes I call with these hands just because it can make a decent flush, and it's not like it's Omaha where the nuts is always out. So if you make a king high flush, it's usually pretty good in hold'em. Um, you might flop two pair against an ace king or a king queen, and then you. So I mean, I might call. Sometimes I just chuck these hands. They're they're speculative hands, and they're whatever. This guy's under the gun, so he's a pretty good player too. And I mean, we'll have position on him. I don't know. I. I could fold this hand easily. I really could. King 10. So I'm going to have him like a chances are scenario. You remember that movie with yeah. uh, Sybil Shepard and yep. Up Down Junior, right? Yep, yep. And I'm like, I'm remembering all this. And what I'm remembering is is that I responded to Vic when he sent this in whenever several months ago. Um, might have been a year ago at this point. <laughs> um, but then we had a similar hand like this on the show, and Vic and I just had a really good back-and-forth conversation about this. So that's why it's all coming back to me now. But uh, I remember telling him, why are we even considering playing King-10 here? Yeah. It's such a trap hand, and we've just he just spent an entire paragraph talking about how tough this table is, right? Yeah. So if the table is this tough, why are we playing with a hand that's going to get us in trouble? Um... And I don't remember the all the back and forth of the conversation, but I remember him kind of getting in, explaining his mindset on it. Uh, I'm not so not saying I was sold on it, <laughs> but right, right. Um, I, to me, I just I, this is an easy fold. Um, I guess the only thing is, is because the players are tough. You're right. This is a hand that can flop big for us, and we might be able to to trap and get people to commit. To us, but that's asking a lot for me. I, I'm happy just folding here and not worrying about it. I just pay my blinds. Sounds like it's been a frustrating day. I'm only up 30. Um, I'm gonna play a couple more hands. I'm gonna go, and the, the table's tough. I, I, at this point, I'm in lockdown mode. I need a really strong hand to get involved at this point. Yeah, that's a good point. One of the things, if you know the egos of these guys, one of the things that's fun to do is to flop them huge hand and let him just try to outplay you because he's such a better player than you right. you know and you know you looking foolish like you're, oh, you're in, but deep down you've got king king 10 on the flop and or something weird you know like even queen jack nine or so sometimes i'll take a flyer on stuff like this um especially if i'm gonna quit soon and i just want to see if i can double up real quick or whatever i mean you could also run the risk of going broke but yeah well, there is a case of doing that going broke is a big deal to me now because uh, this is a a poker mentality problem, right? Mm. So if we end up, let's hope we don't get felted on this hand, but if we get felted on this hand, it's going to hurt a lot more than if we got felted three hours ago, right? Right. Because we're still at the 400 that we bought, and we were up 30. So um, we've just established in our mind that we're only playing a couple more hands. And that entire drive home, I promise you, you're going to start thinking, why didn't I just get up? Right. When I was only going to play a couple more hands, why did I have to play the last hand and lose it all? So that's not a poker decision, and it's probably not a good poker decision, but for the mentality of being how you're going to continue to play, this is why I don't want to get involved in this hand. At this point, unless I have a really big hand, I'm only willing to kind of flop around with the 30 bucks a profit I have and hope that I get something big. But this is not the hand I'm picking for it. It's already under the gun and raised. And I got good players behind me. And I got a couple hands before I'm walking out of this room. This is an easy fold for me. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, if it's like a different scenario or whatever and you have position on all these guys, there's a good chance that you'll 
you know, you can let them just try to take take the ego take over and, and just keep trying to outplay you and you're getting more chips. But in this case, you're right. It's time to go. All right. Vic says this is an attractive hand with good potential. So I just call. So this is where the Vic G mine has got L mines. <laughs> Deviate strongly. Uh, everyone else gets out of the way and we're heads up. All right. Well, that's helpful, I guess. Uh, with $25 in the pot after the rake, the flop is the nine of spades, nine of hearts, tray of spades. Corey makes a pot-sized bet of $26. Well, we're in it now. Might as well just call. I mean, I, I mean, you could raise and say, ha-ha, and, but <clears throat> he raised under the gun. If he has an overpair, he's, you're going to be getting it in with hoping to hit the draw. So I might just call. That's the thing, too, is... um. You know, I remember, I, I bring this hand up often, but the first time I ever played at Foxwoods after we started the show, very first hand I sat down, I had King 10 of clubs. And, <clears throat> you know, the guy raced like 15 or something, and I called because I thought, oh, it's a very attractive hand, like he just said. And then instead of flopping the clubs, I think I flopped a king. And we, you know, tangled a little bit, and he had like ace-king or something. And it was like, uh so now on this hand, okay, so if you raise here, which I don't know if you would, but if you raise here and he's got an over, he's going to re-raise, and then you're what? You're going to get it in with a second nut flush draw on a player board that you could already be drawn, drawn dead on. You don't know. You know, you don't know. You could have pocket threes for all you know. Who knows? So at this point, I'm just going to call and see how the hand flushes out. Yeah, well, I like calling here because then if a spade doesn't come on the – whether a spade – or non-spade comes on the turn, you can still bet and represent something, I think. Yeah, maybe. You know, it's the other way. You know, so if the spade comes, now you're going to bet it and you've got your flush. Now, that may not be good because you're right. We could be drawing dead right now or, or pretty thin. Yeah. Um, or higher flush. Guy could have ace, queen of spades. That's true, too. Um, but if a spade doesn't come, then we can either bet or raise and make it sound like we could sell a nine to some degree here. It's a little tougher because the spades are out there that we wouldn't bet the nine. But um, I feel a little bit better about this hand now than I did before. Um, not great. But right. Because just, just a call also makes it seem like you're slow playing your nine. Right. And then you come alive later. So, yeah. All right. He says, uh, Corey will uh, see bet a large percentage of the time in this spot. If he's holding a pair, I have the eight or nine flush outs plus the three other kings to take the lead. I opt to semi-bluff and raise 50 on top. Mm. Like I said, I mean, that, that that's just, I can get that if you think you're going to take it down. But if he's got something that's going to now be able to come over the top of you, he might. He might, because he, he might think you have the nine and that's why you're doing it. Um, and then he might be scared, and then he might lay it down. But if he's, you know, this this is this is difficult to me. This this play is difficult because what are you telling him then? <clears throat> are you telling him you have a nine? Um, and if he calls, then he's not afraid of your nine. I, I this is weird. This is a weird thing. I mean, I don't well, mind it. If he but... just calls, I like this. I I don't want to get raised with it. Although if I get raised with it, then. I mean, what do you do? Do you fold? Maybe I fold. I think I do, because if I make it 50, he makes it 150 more. I'm not going to get it in on a second out flush draw, and it's still a paired board. I mean... But if he just <clears> calls, this is almost like the, the classic, you know, getting the free river card, right? Right, because he'll check, and then you check, and yeah, then you get the river card. check behind if we want. And even if a spade comes, I might check behind. 
and really induce him into um, making a bet and making more money off of this. Um, although you run the risk of boating, free, yeah, free cards to boat. Bet and have him, you know, try to raise me. But it's tough because he's a good player. So it's a little different story than the games I normally play. So we got two good players here, so. Um, but yeah, if he just calls, then I'm happy with this. But you're right; I I don't think we can be guaranteed he's just going to call. If he can raise, then you know, then we fold, and that's you know, what, what did he bet? Twenty six. So we're out seventy six plus our pre flop, which is thirteen. So about ten bucks. Still got a couple hands to maybe get that seventy back. So <laughs> go home with a break even on the day. Mm. Maybe it's not a bad idea because of that. I don't know. I mean, like I said, a lot of people float and just call here, and then he checks because he's afraid, and then you bet, and you take it down with nothing. Or you could actually make your flush. I mean, you're just putting money out, <clears throat> hoping to get free cards, but if you're calling and he bet, you know what I mean? Maybe he just checks the turn anyway because you called. You know? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if I like that raise. I really don't. All right, so it says Corey doesn't have <clears throat> or making the call. So with 174 in the pot, the turn is the Ace of Spades, making the board Nine of Spades, Nine of Hearts, Trey of Spades, Ace of Spades, and giving me the nut flush on a paired board. Corey, yeah, this, this is... <laughs> before you say anything, I just say this reminds me of Rounders a little bit. Oh, it's not the exact scenario, but very similar. Instead of uh, nines full of aces, you know, it's it's nut flush versus aces full nines. But yeah. So what did Corey do? I'm sorry to cut you off. I, I just check. he check. checked. Yeah, I would check too because if I got the absolute, you know, well second nuts. Uh, ah, jeez. Oh man. He I called the second nuts because he could have quads, aces, or trays. Right, the second nuts is he has pocket aces, is what I'm saying. I would check it, too. Oh, I see what you mean. Right. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I would check, too. I don't know. I, now I'm nervous. Because if we check-raise him, and then he checks to us now, what was he calling with? I mean, he could have had kings, and I was afraid of the ace. Uh, you got to put something out there making the nut flush, I would think. I don't know, do you? I'm trying to think now. <clears throat> if he has his beat... Checking saves us money because now he's going to it's going to reduce the amount that he bets on the river that we're probably going to have to call, right? Mm. Um, and if we have him beat, I mean the paired board makes it difficult, but I don't know, I don't know what comes on the river that catches him up now if he's not already caught up to us. I'm supposed to be as another pocket pair. Yeah, if he had kings and he's afraid of the ace, and that's why he checked. Now he hits a king on the river to make his kings full. I mean, you're you're giving him a chance to hit a full house on the end if he doesn't have it. But I don't know, it's to tough. Pair at that point. Yeah. So. I you know i i kind of I kind of like the check here because um, what's weird, but I kind of like it, and then let him take a stab and either call or raise whatever I feel like on the river. And if he doesn't bet, then on the river, then. And I'll put a value bet in and hope he gets something out of it. What non-paired hand would raise under the gun, bet out, and then call our min raise here? The only non-paired hand that would do that is uh, a nine, 
in their hand with any other card, Ace Nine or something, which now boated up. Maybe King Queen of Spades that hit flush draw had a flush, but we had the King, so they can't have that. So it'd be Queen Jack of Spades. I mean, and it's just hard to imagine. And why would he check the the turn now when he's made his flush? So it's not that. So he's got to have a pair, I would think, and probably a pair over nines to call our raise. So it's either kings, queens, jacks, tens, or aces, I guess. All right, so let me ask you this. If he has a pair that's over nines, what percentage chance do you put him on folding if we bet here? Uh, Pretty much, unless it's aces. He might lay it down, though. Certainly want him to fold, I understand. I mean, we, we want him to call with the worst hand. That's fine, too. But um, it seems like we're, we're, we're pretty dangerous here with. I mean, we have the nut flush, but the board's paired. And he hasn't. if he has an overpair, he could have aces full now. But if he doesn't, and we check, and then he can catch up with another high card, or any card, really, if he. He might even have, who knows what he has. I mean, we said before, he could have pocket three. We don't even know what he has. This is difficult. But I guess you made the nut flush, and it's not Hold'em. I mean, it's not Omaha, it's Hold'em. So, you know, it's very specific hands now that are beating Yeah, I guess what I'm trying to figure out is if we're better off betting here and having him call with a worst hand, or checking here and giving him the green light to try to quote-unquote, steal this from us on the river and getting more money that way. What's the best way for us, assuming we're ahead right now? Which If we're ahead, I'm betting. Because I don't want him to catch up for free. If we're behind, I'm checking because we're behind and we're never going to win. So maybe he puts out some crappy feeler bet, uh, value bet on the end that we can say, hey, you know, I, I feel comfortable calling another 25 here or 30 or something just because he might think is. I was stealing it, or he has a random nine. But I, I just, if we're ahead, I'm betting. Because I'm not going to give him a free chance to catch me. You know, any well, card can come on the turn and catch a river and catch us. Most now. likely we are ahead here, right? I, mean, I think so. Pocket aces. Um, I mean, I can't say he doesn't have pocket aces. Oh, of course not. No, right, not and right. I can't say he doesn't have pocket threes. Really the only hand that makes sense to me that we're behind right now. I mean, it's possible, like you said, he could have pocket trays, uh... Ace nine is possible if it was like ace nine of diamonds and he was fooling around. So there's really only two hands. One is fairly likely, but because yeah, he wouldn't he wouldn't have called your min raise with ace king, but he might call with over pairs. Yeah. So I think my analysis, I feel comfortable enough that I'm ahead. So what I'm trying to figure out is if it's more advantageous to check and take the risk, obviously, of him catching up on the river. But if not, taking a stab at this and getting more out of him than if I bet now and either he decides to fold or just makes that call and then checks the river and doesn't put another dime in after we make our river bet. That's the challenge for me right now. So you're trying to settle on an amount. Well, no, I'm trying to settle on whether which way do I get more money out of him by making a bet now or checking and taking the risk and inducing him to bluff at me on the river. But how confident are you going to be if another high card comes on the river? 
Or if another nine comes, then you're screwed. Because he's got to have you beat then. True. <clears throat> yeah. All right. I, I want to bet now. I don't want to take a chance. I'd rather take it down, take away a nice little $500, you know, $100 for the day, and take it down now if I have to. If I bet and he calls again, then we'll reevaluate. But right now, if I think I'm ahead, I can't give this guy a nine out. I can't give him any of the other two outs for the other pirate pairs that are over nines. I, I just can't do it. So, And to you, really, every card over a nine right now is an out for him in your mind. Because you don't know what Perry could have over the if he has a pocket pair, so that's two for the tens, two for the jacks, two for the queens, and two for the kings, and then on top of that the nine, and then another ace might even make it out for him too, because he could have ace king. He might not have believed you, you know what I mean? He might have just called and said I don't believe you, and then he hit the ace in the turn. Now he hits, so I mean there are a lot of cards that are going to make you be like, ugh. So I'm going to bet now. All right, it's like what a hundred? Yeah, I guess like a hundred. Maybe, no, a little less than that. Maybe. Well, maybe a little less than that. It's only 126 in the pot. That's almost a pot size bet. Right? There's 126 in the pot. So 174 in the pot. Oh, 174? I thought it was 26 in the pot pre-flop. And then we he bet 25. We made it 50. So, so he called. 50 on top. So it's 70. Oh, it's 50 on top. Yeah, okay, then 100. I'm sorry. I wrote it wrong. Okay, yeah, 100. Okay. Uh, Vic says he called my previous bet, but I've improved. Even if he opened with some speculative hand and flopped trips, he's only got nine outs to fill up. I think betting here makes the flush obvious. I'm in position, so I think I'll disguise the strength of my hand and check. If he had a, has a hand with the queen of spades or jack of spades, I'm also giving him a chance to make it back to our flush draw. If he flopped a boat and I'm drawing dead, then I'm saving a bet. Yeah, kind of where I started, but I think you kind of convinced me otherwise. See, he's just so confident in putting people on hands. I mean, he's saying, he's just so confident that it's obvious to flush draw. Of course it's obvious. What else would you, you know what I mean? To me, it's like, yeah, but like 80% of the time when I'm playing 1-2, it's obvious what the other people have. And I'm trying to hit a hand that's beating them. And they're trying to bet a hand that keeps me from beating them. But if I'm going to give them free chances to beat me, you know what I mean? If a bet would get them to fold an opportune hand that would beat me. I'm happy with that. But if it's if it's if he's getting the wrong odds, I'm happy with it if he calls. But if he's if he's getting the right odds to call. So you got to bet the amount that I mean, I just don't I just don't know. He's just so confident in his reads when he sends in these hands of the week, right. you know. And to me it's like how do you know you're not beat already? Ace 9 has you crushed. If he has ace 9, he has you you're you're dead. If he has pocket aces, he's under the gun. I mean, okay, so he's a crafty player and he's a good two-five player, and he. But they do have aces once in a while, and that's the beauty of those guys. When they wake up with them, you're like, oh, you know. So I, I'm just happy to bet here. I don't like giving away free cards when it's when there's it's precarious. So, whatever. All right. Uh, with 174 in the pot, the river is the six of hearts, making the final board nine of spades, nine of hearts, tray of spades, ace of spades, six of hearts. And Corey checks. Uh, we know where this is going. Because now we're going to be like, all right, you know. And then we're going to bet. And then he's going to wake up and raise us. And then he's going to have quad nines or ace nine. and Or pocket threes or something weird. And it's just, uh, it's hard to do analysis like this when it's hand of the week. Because you're, you're always anticipating the worst. But we checked the, the turns. So we have to bet now. So No, I know. 
it doesn't make any difference. The, the six doesn't barely changes anything now. So I mean, if we were going to bet a hundred on the turn and we didn't, then we bet a hundred now, right? Right. I mean, that's what he was saying before. That's why he put him on a read that he was beating. So clearly, he has to bet here. So I would bet eighty to a hundred. Yeah, sounds good to me. Let's see. Uh, he says, with checks on the turn in the river, I feel safe that Corey does not have a boat. Hands like ace-king or ace-queen may be possible, especially if they contain a spade. I think he would have also bet a smaller flush on the river, perhaps thinking I had an ace. I want to get called, so I make less than a half-size pot bet of $77. Yeah. The, the thing about what he said before, too, it has to be specifically the queen of spades, because the ace of spades is out and the king of spades is in his hand. True. So it'd have to be the queen, ace queen with the queen of spades, and even that that's doesn't make sense to me that he would call your min raise after missing that flop uh, with ace queen and the queen of spades. That makes zero sense to me. So um, on the turn, yeah, he might say, okay, now I got the nut flush draw. If it gets there, another spade comes, but or a second nut. But you know, I just don't see him make, calling that bet with ace queen off. So I don't put that on that hand. This is scary for me. So, all right, well, he bet 77. That's right what I said, 80 to 100. Which actually makes more sense. I know I said 100, but that's what I was going to bet on the turn. But you're yeah. right. Oh, now it's uh, not – you're right. He's right. Dude, you need to bet less here. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, he says, Corey thinks for a bit before moving all in. Yeah. And there were 205 more to call. Well, it's hand of the week, so I lay it down. In the, in the game, I – All right, here's my only know. argument for not now is that we check the – turn so right. it's possible that he's representing a flush now and had we bet the turn that's harder i think not suggesting that i'm, I'm going to call here but i'm like i don't think it's a quick fold but he did check raise he checked raised he, he was confident enough that we were going to bet it so he could raise us on the river he check raised the river but maybe he wasn't thinking that maybe he checked and then we bet and then he's he a 2-5 player he, he knows what he's doing hmm. he's not not thinking he even said he's a crafty 2-5 good player. I mean, I, I just don't see this guy not thinking it through. It feels like he knows we're going to bet it because the type of player Vic is. Vic puts you on specific hands, knows when he's value betting. He doesn't bluff very often. I, I can't remember any of his hand of the weeks where he bluffed at the end. So this guy's probably got a beat on how Vic plays. Knew Vic would take a stab at the end and hope Vic did make his flush. And now he knows how Vic plays and knows Vic's story, and now he's got aces... You know, nines full aces, aces full of nines, or aces, you know, whatever, or quads or something, and he just played it the way he should have played it. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm laying it down to the tan of the week. In the moment, I probably call and miserable. Um, but I, and it, knowing it's hand of the week, I just feel like I, I, I telegraphed it before when we both checked. I said, you know what's going to happen? We're going to bet the river when he checks, and then we're going to get raised, and that's exactly what happened because he's got a better hand than us. And Vic will probably find the gumption to call because. You know, he knows this guy better than we do, but I think we've lost. All right, well, let's see. Um, after having disguised uh, my strength of the hand by checking when the ace hit the turn, he might put me on a range of hands, including pocket pairs bigger than a nine, big aces, or maybe some speculative hands containing a nine for trips. If he has a bigger pocket pair, big slick, or a smaller flush, Perhaps he thinks I'm overplaying my hand or I'm spewing chips with a busted flush draw. I also consider pocket aces, but his check on the river and the fact that there were only three combinations of pocket aces convinces me to call. You guessed it. He shows me pocket aces and doubles up. Yeah. I guess waiting for the big blind to reach me isn't always smart. Wow. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what we... I had the whole Teddy KGB scenario in my head. It just played like that. And he had, he knew how Vic played. He knew Vic was going to bet that river. And then he shoved knowing he probably couldn't get away from a flush. Well, the other thing, too, is that... You know, I, I don't know how much value you give up by checking that river if you if you have the aces full there, right? Right. Because you and we checked we checked the turn as well too, so it's possible we don't have the flush. It's possible we don't have anything at this point. So it, it's probably a good gamble on Corey's part to check that and hope that we take a stab at it uh, versus putting out a value bet that's just going to get called, right? Yeah. Getting he doubled up on that because of the way he played this. Whereas if he would have bet a hundred there on the end, we probably would have just called a hundred, right? Right. What's interesting too is if you just go over the hand real quick, you know the pre-flop makes sense, the post-flop makes sense, the min raise to us. Now you're like, all right, maybe he's got a nine, maybe he doesn't. So I'm gonna call with my aces and then spikes the ace. Now he's got you checking, makes sense because he's got pretty much the absolute nuts. So go ahead, Vic, you check raise me, go ahead and bet. And, and Vic didn't, didn't fall for it. So then he's like, all right, well, if I check, Vic's going to have to bet now because he's not going to show down a hand. He's probably got the nine, and he's going to try to get value for his nines here, or maybe the flush, and that's what he did. So now he's saying, okay, I hope he's got nines full. I'm hoping he has nine ace, you know, and I'm hoping that he checked behind to do the same thing I'm doing, and, you know, and it's the whole Teddy KGB Mike thing, but... Yeah, it, the hand totally makes sense as ace-ace. And like I said before, these guys wake up with hands once in a while, too. They're not always just outplaying you after the flop. That's bad. But, hey, Vic lost a hand. I, I'm excited. I can't remember losing hands before. I'm excited. I'm excited. He lost. He'll, he'll redeem himself in the next one, I guarantee it. <laughs> All right, next one he labels as a situation. We'll play it as a hand of the week just in case. So Okay. Um. All right. Same scenario. Nine-handed. Uh, One-two. No limit hold'em game with a 400 max buying at the local Florida poker room. Tables full when I am seated in the cutoff with 400 dollars. This is my first hand at the table. The five-dollar button straddle is on. There are three limpers to me, and I look down at the ace of clubs, nine of clubs. <laughs> these hands are all very similar this week. Uh, this this all these shows we've been doing. Um, I'm just going to, I don't know. The straddle's on, there's a bunch of limpers. I don't know. I just, I, I just call these hands. I don't get yeah, I think crazy with them. Yeah. Just see what happens. And if it's raised and cuts crazy before it gets back to us, then it's five bucks. But if it's not, if, if you're able to see a flop for five bucks with this, with a bunch of limpers and I get two spades or some other combination, that's nice that I'm happy. I mean, I'm sorry, two clubs or some other combination that I like. And that's good. Yeah, I mean, let me guess. The flop comes uh, ace nine nine. <laughs> um, but no, I mean the other thing too is you always consider since your first hand, you don't really know what the uh, straddler is going to do. Exactly. Yeah. The last thing I want to do is raise and get raised by the straddlers. I don't want to call another raise here. Right. All right. Uh, Vic says I'm an aggressive player. No, say it's not true. <laughs> Um, and some of the other players who have played with me before know this. I want to punish the limpers, and I raised a 30. Okay. Um, all right, I kind of like the fact that he's playing off his um, reputation, but unless he knows the straddler, I think that's a kind of problem. So we'll see what happens. 
Uh, the button straddler defends, uh, leaving himself 70 behind, and one of the limpers also calls with about 250 behind. So about 100 in the pot, three-handed, um, and the flop is the king of hearts, seven of diamonds, five of clubs. Uh, and it's checked to us. Well, you got to follow through. I mean, I, I can see you checking, but then they just steal it from you unless an ace turns. So, I mean, they're, they're going to take it from you unless you, you bet here, right? I mean, isn't that what... That's the whole point of betting is representing your other hand, and almost everybody on the table always thinks you have ace king when you raise. They all do. It's just it's one two tables are convinced you have ace king when you raise. Yeah, yeah. They just are. So you might as well represent it and take it down if you can. So I don't know. What do we do? We bet fifty, sixty, like we always do. Sixty-five. So yeah. Um, uh, all right. Uh, Vic says, I'm going to see bet, um, uh, but won't fold to any raise by the button since he only has 70 remaining. Makes sense. Right. Uh, he says, player one looks disinterested in the hand, so I bet 70. The button calls and player one folds. So the button only has... 70, so we're all in. We're uh, all in, okay. Uh, all right, so, uh, the board runs out, uh, well, final board is king of hearts, seven of diamonds, five of clubs, six of diamonds, eight of clubs and I flip up the nine for the straight the button tables pocket sevens as I rake in the pot he starts talking to someone across the table who I assume is his friend about my how terrible I played the hand what a terrible $70 bet with ace high and what was he betting pre-flop comments along those lines I let it go not saying a word he continues berating my pre-flop and post-flop bets for the next several minutes I know enough not to tap the glass but I'm thinking the following one with the $5 straddle, small blind, big blind, three limpers, I'm hoping to take down the $23 pot preflop with a $30 bet. Two, if $30 isn't enough to take down the pot, I may get the straddle to fold and then have position going forward. Three, on the flop, there's $100 in the pot, so I'm hoping to take it down with a $70 C bet. Yes, I may get called by a better hand, but player one checked and seems disinterest, disinterested. By putting the button all in, he may also fold a better hand, like any bigger ace or pairs smaller than kings. Four, the straddler started the hand with 100 bucks and then called an additional $25 with pocket sevens. If I have an overpair, he's not getting the right price to make that call in the first place with only $70 behind. The 10 to 1 rule says he would need 250 behind, right? So isn't his preflop call a worse play? The hand played itself after that. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, I guess so, yeah, because the stack was so small. Yeah, he I should, think the he last one set of those <clears throat> is that you, you're not, you don't have enough chips to play the set mine um at, at that high amount right so if if he was going to play that hand i think he needed to uh, the opponent needed to just shove at that point i agree that's what i was thinking too i was thinking the same thing if, if you're in the straddle and everybody who raises the straddle they basically do it because they got something that's a quality hand but it's not necessarily the monster and they're just punishing you so you shovel your sevens i mean i i don't see it because if you're going to call half your stack basically well, then why not just shove with it? So, yeah, I mean, well, not half a stack, right? Because you had 70 after the 30, right? Uh, you had 100 to start yeah. the hand, yeah. But, yeah, I think I re-raise there to fall in because I'm going to re-raise to 90 anyway, and I'm only have 100. So why not shove with the sevens and then race the guy? You would have lost anyway in this hand, but that's not the Yeah, the but, I mean, what are you looking for at that point when, you're, when you've only got 100 and you're straddling? Yeah. And then you pick up a pocket pair, and you've got a couple limpers and a guy that makes it 30. At that point, I would really like somebody to talk me out of shoving there. 
Yeah, and it's Vic's first hand, so that you don't even know what Vic has. Like he, he could just be saying, "Oh, it's a straddler. Oh, I'm just going to." You don't know what he has, so your sevens are probably. Good. It's not necessarily an overpair there for Vic. You know. Yeah, I mean, I'm and in a four hundred dollar or four hundred max buy, and I guess the minimum is probably a hundred dollars. So I guess that's a little different, but you know, I think this is a spot for me to try to double up with the sevens. So um, yeah, I'm going to agree with Vic that 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 was a worse play than yeah. Vic's. Now I wasn't happy. I wasn't a fan of Vic's play either, but. Um, and obviously his, his explanation, as I, I mentioned at the top of the show, he and I play very differently. So it's, it's tough for me to get inside his head and I'm sure it's frustrating as anything for him to get into my head. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, mine and mine. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I, it's tough for me to defend either one, but if I had to choose sides here, I'm choosing our good friend, Vic G on who <laughs> played it better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he did what he had to do. He he liked his hand. He wanted to go on his reputation. He wanted to punish a straddler. He made it thirty. He got the call. He had to see bet because that's what you do. I mean, you're supposed to have ace king there. You're supposed to have a hand there because you raised. He did what he was supposed to do, and then the other guy, you know, flopped a set and got run out on. I mean, that's just. I don't see any flaw in what 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 Vic did there. There's just especially with the other guy being disinterested. Now the other guy had you know, bet into you or something, then you let it go. But right. that's not the case, and you knew that guy was interested, so you did what you had to do and just happened to fall your way. You thought you were going to steal the pot right there, and when you didn't, you won. So no problem there. All right, so we're back with our regular show next week, which means we're taping on May 18th, and uh, we'll post it for the, the 19th show. And I want to thank everybody for sending in those hands, especially Vic G. Uh, always, always a pleasure. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the tables. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.